So first of all, a warm welcome to all of you. Greetings and prayer that may all of you blossom into beautiful beings like lamp posts, lamps of light. Okay? Radiating the greater light, the deeper light, the light of our soul on the pathways of humanity. Become lamps of light. So we start with these questions. There are nine which are here already. Question number one is, Traumatic experiences such as sexual harassment, how to reconcile with it given if we have to again encounter the person who did it on a regular basis? Not to reconcile but to understand, first of all. This is the condition of the world. There is lot of perversity, evil which is still there. And it should spur us to find ways and means to make this world a beautiful place. So that's how the difference between a Buddha and the common person goes. We all see death and suffering. We all see evil. And most of us baptize with it. Well, that's how it is. We have to accept it and that's it. But it makes a Buddha, it takes a Shurabindo to take the lead and say, no, there must be a way out and let's find the way out. So raise this question to yourself. There are a lot of, as I keep saying and a lot of people say this too, that there are two kinds of teachers in life. One who shows the beautiful side, how to live, how to be, they are rare. But there are plenty of teachers who tell us what not to do and they show us the dark side of life. And there is a need to bring light in these areas also. Very often after in sexual experience, especially during childhood, early age, traumatic, one may develop a kind of aversion. This is what one must understand that, well, sexuality like everything else is a function of human nature, not to look down upon it, not to just become like an indulgent human being that you see it everywhere, openly at display, but to refine it, make it at least human, moved only by deep love between human beings rather than the force of lust. But most experiences of this kind, traumatic experiences, are largely a question of lust. And they create an impression which is, goes far beyond just the sexual act or the effort or the attempt. Because in this act, a woman particularly may feel subdued, she may feel not just traumatized by the act or the attempt, but also a feeling of being possessed, dominated. All these things are ingredients. It can instill fear. And fear is a very bad advisor. So two things are needed. One, to cultivate strength. Maybe something I couldn't resist when I was young. But now when we grow up, we should have the strength to resist it. This is very important because in life, if we don't have the strength to resist then many of the things that we want or hope or aspire for don't come our way. So it should uh, make us feel the need for strength and to grow in strength, this one. Second is, <clears throat> as I said, we need to understand how you know these things operate. They should make us wiser and stronger, not just stronger, but also wiser. What about the trauma that keeps recurring, things which go into the very cells, one has to learn to dissociate oneself and remind oneself a hundred thousand times that I am not this. See, this is one of the techniques which is used in spiritual life to step back every time that wave emerges, not to just suppress it out of fear, but to confront it. What is it that I am afraid of? Why do I have to have a guilt when in no way I was involved? I mean, I'm, when I use the word guilt, I am... Uh, removing uh, that kind of sexual experience where both people felt for each other and were drawn. That's there's no question of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a process of growing. But those experiences which were forced upon someone in whatever way, and one should not feel guilty for somebody else who has committed the act. One should never punish oneself for a, a wrong that someone else has done. This should be an axiomatic truth of our life. And... Uh, 
whenever these waves arise, these waves are often mixed with whole lot of emotions. One should learn to step back, look at them and offer them to the divine. So when you step back, their force, intensity, frequency will be cut down. When you offer to the divine, then light will come in these parts and heal and bring peace there. Ultimately, by calling peace into these lower regions where the sexual energies operate is the ultimate way to bring peace, strength, wideness and the divine love in these regions. That is the ultimate remedy. So these are some of the things that can be done and should be done. <clears throat> Even when people come to you for counseling. Second, at this juncture, when we are trying to enter the professional world, this constant <laughs> unsettling with how to progress ahead. There are certain things that I might want to do and certain others that I don't want to do. As much it comes with certain perks, majorly financial, all this with expectations from the family and desire to be financially independent. How do I navigate? Okay, so there is a story about a painter whose name was uh, Rachel and the mother speaks about this story. So he was brilliant and way ahead of his times but people couldn't understand his paintings. So what he would do is um, he would paint and you know when you paint the painters with the brush palette whatever extra paint is there they put it on an easel board and one day a millionaire walks into his room and you know he looks at that easel board waste and says oh this is brilliant I'll pay you a million <laughs> pounds for this and he was dumbstruck that look my paintings which are born out of my own deepest self they are not appreciated he died uh, almost in poverty this is true of most other human beings many others who were ahead of their times. Don't be afraid of poverty. One thing I'll tell you, not that poverty will come your way. Now the times are changing. But never be afraid of uh, having less. This, uh, I mean, maybe you may not have experienced, but many of us belonging to the previous generation. Uh, even when there was money, life was like that. We slept on the floor. We had the well water. We had we used to walk when scooter came, it was a revolution in technology. Otherwise, walking for three, four, five kilometers, even for school, it was a normal thing. Don't be afraid of, you know, when there is less. You should have that much so that you can lead comfortable life, but define your comforts. Comfort is not having ACs and luxurious buildings. Comfort is that when you sleep on the floor, you have a little mat on which you can sleep. It paves the way to greatness. Let me tell you that when there is a, you know, to some God blesses with a lot of comfort and uh, outer riches. To some other, he blesses with inner riches. Of course, there is an ideal combination where you have both. <laughs> but if there is a choice, choose the inner riches. Anyways, any day they are far better. They will take you through not just this life, but through lives to come. But outer riches will come and go by the years. Even when you have it, you can't enjoy it after a certain period of time. At the same time, we must know that riches, outer life, comforts are for a short term. So, you know, in Indian thought, we have these four aims. So, earth and calm. So, which you have, you know, initial the schooling years and then the ashram. So you need it, you enjoy life, see through all this, but enjoy it consciously, understand. Then you will yourself see that, you know, it is a very mechanical, unconscious kind of life, pleasure, how long will one enjoy? Then one starts looking for greater goals, dharma and moksha. Moksha is freedom of the soul from ignorance. So always keep dharma and moksha in the background while you are going through life. So if you can have money without compromising on dharma, it's okay. But if you have to compromise on dharma, then it's not okay. But dharma is not about right and wrong. This I leave you with this thought. Dharma is not over, it's not a set of moral rules. Dharma is what deeply resonates with the truth of your heart. So for example, the truth of my heart may be to heal. And like Dronacharya, if I take to battling, Dronacharya took to a battle, he, he thought he's doing a right thing. He's doing his duty towards the king who was paying him with money. So that way, if you look technically, he was correct. He was being paid money. He was in a state of poverty because he couldn't, you know, 
give milk to his uh, son. His uh, friend who was a king had cheated him. So he said, okay, I am going to now take revenge. So his life was driven with this strange idea of revenge. Very un, um, unlike a teacher's life. So he followed that course and we know, you know, uh, he is not regarded as someone very ideal to follow. So this is what we must always remember. It was not his <laughs> natural dharma to do what he did. Whereas there are those who are born to be leaders, to fight the battle, war. They must follow that. So discover this script in the heart. And to discover it, you must quieten all the voices and noises of the world. If you are going to listen to everything that family, friends and uh, you know, uh, the self-seeking humanity, uh, even the teachers, unfortunately, parents are saying, then you won't be able to discover this original script. So while it's okay to give respect to all this elder and everybody to be good, in, to be civic and social in the sense of the word, to be cultured when we deal with others. But with regard to your life, you should make your own choice. And that choice should be the highest expression, the deepest expression of who you are inside. Till you can do that, take up a work which will sustain your livelihood. Naturally, you need it. But keep trying to discover what is it that is the best expression of yourself. And if you know it, do it. Doesn't matter. You may succeed, you may fail. Most of the time you will succeed because you'll do it as an expression of joy. Of course, by success it doesn't mean there are some jobs which bring a lot of money. So we obviously can't do that, you know. Like, I'm a doctor. If I join a corporate hospital and start, you know, towing the line of the medical pharma companies, I'll make huge money. Even now the offers come. So that's not a line which one, one should take. Yeah, they give offers. 3 lakh, 4 lakh. It's a routine thing. But that's not the line which will lead to fulfillment. It will satisfy your surface life. Because then I won't be a healer. I'll be a businessman. So don't take that trail. Of course, if you are meant to do business, then do business. But even there, you must follow dharma. The dharma of business is not to amass wealth, but to circulate it. To create beauty in the world. So follow your own deeper dharma. And this was what was meant in the ancient Indian uh, discipline of the Chatur Varna, which later got degenerated and degraded. Because instead of this deeper in lok, people started accepting simply by birth, heredity, etc. But still it is a deep truth and look inside, you will see that there is something prompting you to do which you feel is your best expression, highest expression. Do it come what may. Okay? Yes, you will face resistances if you are uh, taking the road less travelled. Some of you may have read this book. Okay? Dr. Scott Peck, The Road Less Travel. But Many won't walk with you, but you will have the joy of the divine as your companion. Okay. There are other roads where many will walk with you. That's not a good road. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's for fun and picnic and partying, not a road of life. It's the same thing in Katopanishad. There is the Shreyas and the Prayas. The Prayas is what instantly pleases us, gratifies our senses. But how long can we live with sense gratification? We will get bored. So there is the prayers which is dear to our inmost being, to our heart and soul. Follow the prayers is the advice that I will give you. Number three, how do we understand death? It is as much a part of our life as birth. However, there is a denial about it. I will just take a pause here. You know why there is denial about death? Very true. Because we carry within us the sense of a secret immortality. How much ever you may say, in fact children don't think about it. I have seen children actually having terminal stage illnesses. They don't like death somehow doesn't exist for them. And that's why the first death is like a shocker. And as you grow up, more and more you hear about this person dying, that person dying. And death starts entering as a kind of reality and a creepy reality. What really is death? It simply means we don't know what happens when the heartbeat stops and the breathing stops. That's all. It is not the end except to our material vision. This is logical. All that death means is there is something 
about which our material senses cannot tell us. But there are a lot of things about which our material senses cannot tell us. Isn't it? So how do we know those things? Two ways. One is either we have a direct access, which is what yogis do, or we listen to those who have gone beyond the veil, who have developed the senses which are extraordinary. They have had the experience of what lies beyond death. Now these things are coming more and more in the public domain. Life after death and you know after death experiences. I think I discussed with all of you, there is that famous video by Anita Murjani. There are plenty of others by the way. Where you will see there are books like that coming in the western context also. Where people are beginning to understand that life does not cease with death. Death is another mode of experiencing life. Just like in sleep, you don't cease to exist. You experience the life, self and world very differently. So, actually at the highest level, death doesn't exist. But it is ignorance that exists, so we don't know what lies beyond it. So, till we can discover it, listen to those who have explored it. And not to the material scientist who has not even explored it. So when the material scientist says there is no God, there is nothing, you know, death is the end. Ask him, have you studied, have you, you know, really gone beyond, seen it yourself? If not, then the material scientist should say, I don't know. That's the honest statement. And when he does not know where he closes, there is another kind of science which can reveal to us what exists after death. That's where books like the Gita, which are another kind of science, super science, spiritual science, you know, Shurabindra and the mother and many of Swami Vivekananda, Sri Ramakrishna and the great ones, you know, Guru Nanak Ji, Kabir Ji, they tell us that death is not the end. There is an existence which is beyond. Now the beauty is, if we like, if we put an effort, we can discover that existence beyond, right while we are here upon earth. Okay, we, we don't need to die to know about death. The Zen story is meaningless. That I don't know about death because I have not died. Well, you can know about death while you are living. Okay, and what lies beyond. So this is one part, but the second part of the question is, is it just the death of the body or is there any way to view is... To make life more meaningful, not just see our existence by some mere chance. Chance, like the word fate, basically is a very decent word to say, I don't know. So when the religionist says fate, basically he says, I really don't know. And the scientist, when he says chance, it means I don't know. That's all it means. If I knew all the forces that move our existence, we would not use the word chance. That's how we use another word, miracle. Miracle means, I don't know how it happened. But these are all terms of ignorance. Miracle has a process, chance has a meaning. <laughs> okay, And fate is woven by a set of forces. In Indian mythology, you have so many um, stories which explain to us how forces of fate work. Now, we don't know, so we use the word chance. So, Savitri itself is a story of understanding fate and death and conquering it okay so chance is simply a term of ignorance we should discard it and say i don't know let me try to find what are the forces that weave my fate all right so uh, when we take to this then making our existence more meaningful so there are two views about death one is that death is the end of everything even there are some religions who hold this thing about one life and it uh, obviously logically is absurd because they believe in something called a soul or something uh, to do with soul, <laughs> whatever it is. So imagine you come into one life and everybody is given different, different, different body, mind, thoughts, circumstances, God knows why. And then after one life, suddenly you are waiting for judgment. Now it's actually absurd to the core. Now why in Indian thought we have rebirth is because we believe in the evolution progression of the soul from a seed state to its divine state. Therefore, rebirth is a logical necessity. And it is not about reward and punishment, but about learning through experience. Just as we touch fire, we learn fire can burn. Then we explore from a distance. It, it can burn because I accidentally touched it, but it also gives light. So we learn to hold a flame from a distance. Say, oh, this not only burn, but it can give light. Then people learned it can also cook because it has, you know, that element of heat within it. Then people discovered that this light and heat are not unique to fire, but they are there in the whole cosmos. They are there within our very body. 
and they discovered it and discovered tremendous uh, force and uh, you know wisdom that is concealed within us so it starts by an experience which seems like a punishment when you first time touched fire i hope none of you touched it <laughs> it's not punishment when you walk and fall every child falls it's not punishment that's how he learns no parent says oh no don't walk always be sitting it is part of the learning process so the law of karma comes as a process of learning and evolution and because evolution from the seed state of the soul soul is a seed state of the divine to the fullness of the tree of divine knowledge cannot be done in one lifetime it's too vast a venture so you have to go through multiple body now you understand even the biblical story which has been totally misunderstood is that they taste the apple okay <laughs> the which is the fruit of the tree of knowledge so after they eat they are condemned to earth why because right now they were just knowing there is a tree exist now they have to grow in that tree you remember when we were children we were told seed ko mat kha lena andar mein tree aa jayega i have a you know vague idea that probably this is the indian version of the bible story <laughs> and the tree will be too much for the body to hold it so we all have this seed of the divine within us and it must go from life to life why because one lifetime you cannot have all the experiences needed to grow and the human body cannot sustain the journey in each life if it is like going from one class to another that's all it is when we understand it the meaning of life becomes obvious it has to be aligned to the larger cosmic sense and that purpose is to grow in the divine individually to manifest the divine and thereby make this earth divine this is the meaning so how one does it through whatever work one is born to do and the different ways there are countless ways of doing it each one has to figure out his own way to find the divine to manifest the divine and through this double movement make this world beautiful and divine human life beautiful and divine this is the purpose original purpose when we deviate from it we are hit very hard because there is this you know ping pong effect so <laughs> when we do something which is totally contrary to the original script life hits back because it wants to put us back on the track that too is not reward or punishment that too is a course correction so what looks like a punishment is a course correction okay for at times it so happens that there is a thing i have been wanting to do and when the moment comes i am doing it but something would happen in the middle of it or when i am just about to complete it that there would be urges in me which just don't want to complete it they will not let me do i find myself torn apart i want to do and there is a part in me which is not letting me what is it why does this happen what is the way out why does this happen this is very interesting you see when children go for exams sometimes they have what is called as a it's not defined like that but performance anxiety so people go and take an exam they prepared for it but last minute why because there is a fear that creeps in what is that fear like a paralyzing doubt that what if it fails so you know this paralyzes it doesn't take this conscious form it just paralyzes one it's a doubt that creeps in so how do you counter doubt with the faith with this idea that even if i have to ensure a result let's say in a result oriented life it is only when i make effort and successive effort and attempt that i am actually improving my chances of the victory so appearing for an exam and failing is better than not taking an exam to put it like that because every time you learn something you come back so this is about result oriented second way the spiritual way is to go and do it with the power of will and faith inside when you undertake a venture in life don't stop halfway not only about you know it's best to go through it completely then even if it was not meant for you even if one fails one learns a very precious lesson so in life when you start something undertake a venture do it completely it's it's important it's very helpful okay is this one aspect and third is offer it to the divine pray to the divine 
and if you know one is feeling a paralyzing doubt tell every day mother this is your exams not mine this is your work you do it create the instruments and if you do it with sincerity and faith you will see that slowly it will begin to become easy okay so these are the issues in such ventures <clears throat> the permanent way out always is the divine okay so keep that noted in <laughs> number 5 how to be with a child and how to be like a child keeping the inner wonder and curiosity alive i am going to give a paradoxical answer grow up and become a child you know when somebody asked the mother how to come down to the level of a child she said don't say that grow up to the level of a child see this is partly a problem of our whole again the system of uh, education and the social milieu in which we live where the moment we have a degree we believe we know okay and then if you have a job and especially if you become parents we become omniscient so parents and teacher have a word of guidance for everything to everybody <laughs> don't fall into that trap this idea that if i have a degree in psychology i know about psychology if i have an mbbs md degree i know about medicine no nothing i know only a very small fragment which has been given to me so how to keep this flame alive is by cultivating conscious humility so we all know about humility before others that has no meaning at all it's just a facade humility means first when we consider the vastness of this creation then all our knowledge even in a subject how much ever we may know will be nothing compared to what needs to be known so for a child why does he seek to know why is he full of wonder because he doesn't know he doesn't have pretensions and second is where a child we see something unique about a child he is not trapped in that mental prison that what i know is the ultimate and what i know things happen only that way so always keep this uh, now we call use the word lateral thinking creative thinking you know so that you can always open yourself to new and alternate possibilities and let it come from inside you this new and alternate possibility so yesterday one child you know asked me was very unhappy almost you know why because the child had made a tried to make a cake bake a cake and the cake didn't turn out to be well so the child was very unhappy and contacted me i said see you make this turn this cake into a cake pudding is it tasting all right said yes it is tasting all right so i said turn it into a cake pudding so to that cake you add some milk made and you are how you have this creative idea <laughs> and within an instant so you know this is how the mother would you know turn everything into this sense of creativity springs from the joy of wonder that i don't know maybe there is another way to do it it's a way of looking at life so another thing which helps is perseverance when you know a particular way of doing things fail try to look at it from another angle maybe approach it from different way so this makes the mind wide and plastic opens the door to creativity so keep this creativity alive keep humility alive and this very logical humility at least who can ever know um you know the infinite mysteries of existence there is always something to know and if we keep this then wonder will come don't look at everything with purely a material science vision you see this is another problem modern time that everything is seen by the rational analytical intellect based on the sense data and i had this uh, you know when i was doing md somebody said do you know they have understood what love is i said what is it he said latest research that it is a imbalance of serotonin levels in the brain so i had a funny way of telling him i said go and tell your wife so <laughs> after that <laughs> i said tell her that you know it's my uh, serotonin which is going crazy look at it how it serotonin is a mechanism it's not the origin of love look at how we can mistake the effect for the cause so this is a common fallacy in materialistic vision of science that it mistakes the effect for the cause so we must go behind the effect to the intermediate cause to still intermediate cause and till the ultimate cause so if we keep that chain 
going pushing so you don't have to negate anything yes when we love heartbeat goes uh, faster does it mean that if the heartbeat goes faster you are in love that will be an absurdity <laughs> in fact true love comes when the heartbeat has settled down <laughs> so this is where we have to understand that there are processes which are not the cause so go behind and further and further keep this will for discovering more and more so that's how when ultimately as i said always when you turn to the divine mother she'll make you a child even if you know even a god she can make a child why because she will open you to infinity read says something like shorbindra and the mother you realize oh my god this so much so you'll automatically become a child after some time all right so that's a royal road of course <clears throat> number 6 as a generation now we are becoming aware more and more aware about a civilization yes its culture true and its spiritual roots absolutely true also understanding how we have been fed wrong information over the years in school so why is it that i will tell you it's a new age which has started which shobindo spoke about it in savitri in 1940s and he speaks about the crashing of the old world and the emergence of the new world and he that passage he speaks about shiva's dance which tore the past uh, a giant dance of shiva tore the past and then he speaks about the new children i saw the omnipotent flaming pioneers come crowding down the embers stairs of birth now these are the new children they are beings who have waited for long for this moment they were waiting that when the time comes we will come down and flood this world with god light and god vision so india during the dark period was waiting preparing herself she was lying low like you know have you seen these some of these um judo and karate in any martial art you are taught when you fall you must have seen they are lying for some time and the opponent thinks ah i have won and he comes a bit too near pass mocks and jeers and suddenly there is a turn that was a time for gathering energy and the opponent is thrashed so this is what is happening today and it is going to increase more and more because india's light is needed to save the world and i tell you all of you who are engaged in this task will have the joy of having the privilege to be the pioneers of the future so where else there is hope in the islamic civilization we lesser we speak the better in the chinese or in the western world all these three have crashed so now is the time when all the lights have faded for the sun to rise and that is the sun of india which is rising it is divinely ordained it is destiny and if those who flow with the flow of time which is now evident all over the world i can give a whole series of talks uh, in all the fields that how india is emerging ride on those waves blessed are those who will take a leap towards the future rising on these waves of the future and the next part of the question is why is it that because there was a term given to darkness <laughs> asura has his own time there is a time when ravan rules why he doesn't fall earlier because the animal and the human has to become victorious over the asura to become divine so that's why there is a time and a term given to everything including the asura and the rakshasa he challenges us and eventually when we conquer and go through that is the real progress of mankind okay so this whole age which was given to this uh, uh, thought that man is nothing but a body they atma both but shake off this delusion i mean i would say <laughs> this ignorance this uh, asuric maya and recover the hidden part discover yourself is it because of the evolution of consciousness yes consciousness is evolved or the political influence yes politics evolves as man evolves so everything evolves because human beings are on a evolution fast forward that is the cry like all over the world we see people are trying to discover their national roots all over the world have you noticed since last 7 8 years there is a wave of nationalism from japan right to the us and against it are the typical paradigm which have been running us till now but unless we each nation discovers its own soul 
how is it going to contribute to the future of the world and mankind so this is happening all over the world and in india also it is happening but in india because we have a past which has been kept alive till date so it is so much easier to connect unlike many of these worlds france turmoil is going on germany japan america all of them but they cut it away so it's very difficult for them england they have to discover it if they have to survive chinese they had a past but they have cut themselves off from their roots uh, arabs they had a past but they will it will be far greater labor for them to discover because they are the ones who shut themselves off from it but india kept the past alive and now therefore it's much easier so you will see that happening more and more and uh, Uh, of course politics and everything will become an instrument including the opposition to this will become an instrument in the grand design then there is the seventh question when sharing a personal journey whether in spiritual or experiences in life how do we know it's out of our ego that we are sharing or it's an act of giving generally one should not share it prematurely sharing should begin when you have Uh, you know accumulated the wealth inside then you should share it it's okay so but share always with the adhikari not like anybody and everybody oh you know i have had this <laughs> i know a person who used to tell everybody all about his yes there are people with whom you can share of course the dictum in yoga in the beginning is not to do so because of various reasons but generally sri ramakrishna summarized it very beautifully when some disciple had started sharing he said punji jama kiya nahi aur baatne chala you have not accumulated the wealth and you have started distributing but swami vivekananda he went over the world and distributed it now this he could do because he had become a powerhouse of that knowledge so till you do that it is good to be careful about the company and you know whom you share with because uh, people may mock people may doubt they may th- become jealous Uh, or they may you know say things and contradict and you may not know how to really respond to that so that's why it's better not to share till you are so deeply rooted that the doors of knowledge is flung wide and uh, you know how to respond to all these challenges that come from the world but at some point i believe that human beings will have to share it that's how the vedas are born what are vedas and upanishad but the sharing of this knowledge so it's not about sharing or not sharing but when to share that is the important question when the seer of the rishi shares it it's beautiful when a scholar who has read the vedas has developed panditya and says that you know it is written in the isha upanishad all this is for the habitation of the lord and the material scientist questions but we don't see him he won't know how to answer i someone had come and asked me he said you know i told someone that you know always behave as if the mother is looking at you this fellow told me Uh, that you know where is the mother what should i answer i said first of all why did you say this to this fellow i said you tell him if you are blind and cannot see doesn't mean, doesn't mean she's not there i said this reply will suffice <laughs> you don't have to prove everything to everyone i feel love in my heart doesn't mean i have to prove it to everybody uh, somebody else may say there is nothing like love it's okay you follow your way it's your truth your choice i am not even contradicting it if you do that take that approach then you will see that how people become intolerant <laughs> the liberals become intolerant because the moment you say it's your right to be with yourself you we may agree to disagree but when the knowledge base is strong not mental knowledge acquired knowledge but the doors are open then you will know how to respond to each thing and it won't be a standard format then you can share because then nothing can really happen Number eight, how do we develop ourselves to be able to help people in their pain and suffering, especially in mental health? This is a beautiful thing, and yes, grow in peace, grow in fortitude. Uh, when we are full of hope and faith, then automatically whatever we are within that we transmit. Supposing I believe in the reality of death and the reality of suffering, and then I tell someone, uh, "Don't worry, you know, uh, <laughs> death is okay." nothing will happen rebirth is there the you are yourself not convinced so first acquire this faith and hope where does it come from it comes from the divine presence inside so open to that presence inside which is the beauty of human beings it is given to all of us through prayer aspiration 
even through reading of books which will bring us in contact with something greater then when you go into the you know become that lamp of light which i was mentioning then when you go you don't have to say a word you meet a person who is pained i i remember one example i can share with you so there was somebody young person he had lost his wife and just before losing his wife you know he was a big man in politics and he used to boast are i don't need anybody if i call 200 people will immediately come so i used to feel my god itna boast kyu kar rahe ho you know people feel that you know 200 people will come and then suddenly he turned towards mother and shirbindo that one day we had a discussion and soon thereafter his wife died in the silliest of ways i mean it was a small little plastic surgery and there was a mismatch of blood you cannot imagine in modern context and she died leaving behind the children now he doesn't know what a trauma and all these people nobody could help and he had even turned towards mother and shirbindo nothing helped i mean he didn't even pray he was all the time that there are he had just started reading so i remember going to his place and he also remembers it till now i didn't say a word i just held his shoulder and within me with deepest compassion that was available at my disposal for the human suffering and the enigma with the prayer in my heart i just handed him over a copy of the gita and just smiled and said read it whenever you wish to just keep it with you and prayed didn't say a word and came back till date he says that meeting changed my life his whole life changed he of course married he changed his job is developed such a you know uh, active inward faith and trust and aspiration so sometimes it's not about words it's about what you are inside if you are inside carrying that faith aspiration hope you will just touch a hand look at someone maybe just give a smile it will be transmitted if you don't have it inside mere words will be hollow empty shells which is uh, rather makes it look grotesque so till then you can simply pray even if we have no access to this deeper life at least we can always pray so the person feels good sympathy is given to human beings by sympathy sympathy flows from the depth of the heart care tenderness we connect with the other through a cord and when we are connected some of our joy we can transmit to the other and some of their suffering we can take upon ourselves so this is the bare minimum to keep this sympathy kindness tenderness for the human suffering there are people who don't understand suffering till it hits them don't be like those insensitive fellows but as we grow inwardly we automatically become sympathetic we understand that people are trapped in this suffering and uh, carry this sympathy later on this sympathy will change into compassion then you are strong you will not be affected by it and yet you will give something which is beautiful and divine grow in wisdom grow in strength <coughs> so that you can transmit this wisdom and strength to others which means basically we have to keep evolving ourselves it's an endless journey if we have to give to the world and each stage of our evolution we will be able to give better help better serve better and become a beacon light for everyone remember we cannot always solve the problems of existence it's not like a doctor can cure every disease don't play god god be an instrument and channel of god okay it is his will that will prevail and the soul of the human being the transaction where we don't have a say but yet we can play our own part however humble it is and we should play that part don't start like mental health or physical there'll be a cure something magical will happen uh, well it doesn't work like that and there are many reasons for it very many reasons which we need not you know talk about it now does modern clinical psychology give space to these extraordinary experiences it's like asking do children in kindergarten know what is e equals to mc square <laughs> modern psychology is childish you see we have uh, unfortunately again this is called the i'm sorry i'm using a cliche colonial hangover okay so you must have heard this term so we believe whatever comes from the western and the western names something big so when people try to impress me i say who is he once in america somebody had told you know 
Alan Watts says, I said, who is he? I said, have you heard the name of Yagnavalk? He said, who is he? I said, okay, yes. So we are 101. So I said, okay, now I'll tell you, because I had read Alan Watts. I said, I'll tell you what Alan Watts says. And I'll tell you what Yagnavalk says. <laughs> so that vision is so great. And as a teacher, I can tell you, and you people know it. I often used to tell and still say, you will learn much more of psychology through the Mahabharata and Ramayana and the Gita. Gita is a simple compendium of the deepest human psychology that you can ever discover. Then this modern psychology is a child. It is born of the idea that man is a body and man is a social animal. That is the psychology. Its psychology is centered around man as an animal. What do you expect from it? <laughs> Except that the Freudian instincts with, you know, I have had these discussions even in Delhi University with staunch, <laughs> you know, psychoanalytic people with a background. So, <laughs> anyways, I am not going to discuss all that uh, I shared. But basically, it is so incomplete, so incomplete. And anybody with even a little understanding can see. Don't be impressed by names, even names like Carl Jung. Nothing. He came to India, met. He was afraid, you know, of coming to Tiruvannamalai and meeting actually any spiritual seer. I'm telling you the real thing about his life. He came to India because something attracted him, that there is uh, something in India. So he would read the mystic literature. But he never met, because why? He was scared that he will be overpowered <laughs> and become a mystic. But he spoke the language. Now imagine speaking a language without really living that truth. That's why you will see Raji Malhotra sometimes speaks of him as a U-turn. Which is so true. You have to be a mystic to reveal mystic truths. You can't, otherwise you are not doing justice. Like a scientist, you become your own laboratory. So a psychologist, modern psychology is sprung up from studying the surface of human nature. Usually somebody else. That's why it has so much about morbidity. Ask what is normal human psychology? What is a normal human being? Very difficult. But we had not just an idea of normal human being, but what a human being should be. An ideal, the Arya, which had nothing to do with race, nothing to do with North Indian, South Indian. Arya, the Shresht, the noble. And it was so beautifully exemplified in the life of Rama and Krishna and Hanuman in so many dimensions. What is the ideal of a human being? This was so profound psychology, you know. I am uh, resisting going into it. But let modern psychology, let them not make space, make your own space. Time is coming when, you know, this is something we have learned from Indian Railways as children. When we went into a compartment, there was no place. So, you know, somebody would come, Indian socialism, how it works, huh? by the way. So, you have a reservation, somebody will come, he has no reservation. He will quietly just take a little space by the side of your feet. Now, there were some people who used to kick them, push them. I used to say, it's okay, you know. Bhai hai, thoda sa palm mod liya. Then he would be a little comfortable. As long as he doesn't tell me that you get up and I'm going to sleep, it's okay. So, this is our way. It's, it's fine. I mean, what is there? <laughs> it could have been my own brother. Will I tell my brother, reservation mera hai, tu kyo bad gaya hai? <laughs> so, I won't say that. So, Make your own space. Make your own mark. We are moving towards a future which is going to be freed from the slavery of the past. So become a hero warrior. If nobody has taught this in school, nobody has written it, you write and become the pioneers. This is what I would tell you. Modern psychology is very childish. Uh, and yes, you need to go through that process for your university degree. Okay, but when you come back as teachers, some of you would... And in life, when you practice it, practice the greater truth of the greater psychology which you find in the Indian thought and the Indian scriptures. Okay? So, these were the questions given to me. If you, ah, So, there is one more question. Vivek tells me and we can take it up. Okay. So, this is the tenth question. Nine is incomplete with ten, you know. <laughs> Every time, darkness in some form or the other comes up in life. Sometimes in form of relationships, in ambition, in tiny forms. How to be aware of it, how to pull ourselves back. 
How to be in touch with the divine in the worst days? First of all, when else we'll be in touch with the divine? But don't keep the divine for the worst days. Huh? Make him a friend in good days. When you are having chat pakodi in Delhi University, tell Krishna, come, why don't you share a bite with me? Make him a friend. Make mother your friend, confidant. Then you will see that a relationship will be forced. Then most likely the worst day will not come. And if it has to come, it is only either for catharsis, which you all know. It's a Greek term to bring out. Art is a means of catharsis, for example. Or it will be to transform. Why does darkness come to light? And still fear it. Because somewhere it knows, this is my destiny. I am born from there. And only light can really take away this blot on me. So when darkness comes, don't run away from it. Know that it has come seeking light. Confront it with a greater light. So in a relationship, when you are confronted with somebody who deceives, hurts your ego, what does it mean? Bring out of yourself a greater love, a greater compassion. Don't just shrink, oh, men are like that, women are like that. See, this person has done this to me, done that. No. Respond by growing in deeper love and wisdom. When you do that, you will understand that, well, the person did what the person did because of his or her limitations. So, when relationships, darkness comes, transform within you the pain, anguish by the light. If you do it, you will have the power even to change the other person. And so too in life, every time there is a challenge, somebody who tries to steal hope, bounce back with a greater faith. So this way, it's not about success or failure. You will grow in strength and wisdom. So confront the darkness with light, hate with love, misunderstanding with compassion, okay. ignorance with wisdom. That is the way they will be changed into their own truth. Alright? Ugliness with beauty. Not running away from ugliness. If you see something ugly, turn it into beautiful. That's what Ikebana is all about. Ikebana, no? Yes. Pick up a stem and you know how they pick up some... We will put it in a vase and just put it like that. How they use the minimum material and they turn it into something very beautiful and creative. So turn... There is a Vakya of Shurabindo. I will stop with that. Turn all things to honey. That is the law of divine living. So turn everything into honey. Life will give its share of poison. Turn it into honey. That's a secret. But how to turn it into honey? That is the alchemist energy of the divine. If you can contact it, touch it, or at least your own soul, something from that, or at least contact it during that moment through prayer, through aspiration, you will see that that bitterness will change into mint of even joy. That which you feel has rejected me, later you will say, Acha hua, chutkara mil gaya. Okay? At that moment, you may not understand it. <laughs> so, live in that inner freedom and then deal with the world. So, anything else? Yes? Uh, just one more question, Alvaya. If you could talk a bit about um, the idea of strengthening and building your ego before attempting to transcend it. or Okay. Strengthening the ego before transcending it is a very beautiful question. Uh, we can use the word individuality because that's what... So, ego is of three kinds. It's a good question. One is a tamasic ego. Tamasic ego is the lowest kind of ego. Where a person says, I am useless, I am good for nothing, I am misfit, unfit. and He curses himself. And when he has finished cursing himself, he curses God for making him what he has, he has made. This is a very dark egoism. It conceals itself behind the deceptive mask of humility. Oh, I am no good. That's not humility. A truly humble person will never say that. But it is like feeling... Happy in a fallen state. So this is tamasic egoism. It paralyzes us. It brings into us paralyzing doubt. So it robs us of faith. And we believe that life is only meant to be endured. If there is a God, He has made us to suffer. And you know, one day He will come and release us. That's the kind of belief they have in God. 
This has to be thrown away. This is the worst. Better to have Rajasik ego, which takes the challenge of life and wants to conquer it. So Arjuna in the beginning has Tamasik ego. And Sri Krishna immediately replaces it with the Rajasik ego. You are a Kshatriya. Take the challenge of life. Fight it. It's not important whether one conquers or not. That's not the plan. That you play the game well. You, you fight well with whatever strength you have. As he says, Sri Krishna says in the Gita, either conquer mightily or fall nobly. That is man's manhood. Rajasik ego. So this is definitely better than the Tamasik. But then, in that Rajasik ego, one may go on overdrive. This world is my food. My insatiate ambition. The world is meant to satisfy. Everybody I will control. Everybody I will possess. Everybody I will dominate. Now, Rajasik ego is turning towards Asurik and Rakshasik path. So, one must moderate it with the Sattvic ego. Sattvic ego says, okay, I will also enjoy life. But I will do it according to dharma. Meaning thereby, I will not snatch something from another and put it in my house and call it my own. That the sattvic ego will not do. I will have a nice hearty meal with everybody, but not overfill my belly with all kinds of, you know, fast food. So sattvic ego creates a sense of balance and equilibrium. And it always wants to do things according to the deeper dharma. Again, I am not defining dharma right now because it's a vast subject. But I think I have, you know, you'll find talks on aroma on dharma. But basically, dharma is all that that leads you towards peace, harmony, unity, light, compassion. Whereas adharma is all that leads towards confusion, division, hatred, darkness, jealousies and all that, you know, band of things, anger. So, it will do it on the basis of dharma. So, Live life according to dharma, sattvic ego. Sattvic ego is the best preparation for the spiritual life. From rajasic ego, from tamasic ego, it is very difficult. From rajasic ego, one may turn towards spiritual life and it can be a very good combination if there is a combination of rajas and sattva. But equally combination of rajas and tamas is dangerous. So, you know, that's what the Gita describes about the devasuri sampada. So cultivate those qualities which are all part of the ego apparatus but qualities of benevolence, charity, generosity, strength, kindness, tejaha, become a student of yourself. Then go through life knowing who you are, asserting yourself where there is a need to assert. Uh, but at the same time, assertion doesn't mean that I will take away other people's liberty. But where there is a need, you have to Defend yourself. You, you can't just allow yourself to be overrun. So a sattvic person believes in a just self-defense. When your own life is threatened or the life of a nation or the life of dharma is threatened, then you have to assert. All these are things of the ego. So sattvic ego is good. Cultivate a sattvic ego. Create a true individuality. Sattvic ego will make a choice based on dharma. This is different from the individuality in the western context. In the Western context, ego individuality is a Rajasik individuality. I have the right to do what I feel like. Inside my room, I will do what I want to do as long as I am not coming in the way of the rules of the land. This is the Western mode of operating. In India, individuality means standing by dharma even if your parents, society opposes you. So that is what Arjun is ultimately given to do. Stand by what you believe to be true and beautiful. Have the courage to do it and even if the world opposes it, stand by it. This way your individuality will grow. Stand by those higher mental ideals. Have that conviction in the heart. Then a time will come when you are really ready. I mean, the divine is running parallel. <laughs> but he is watching. This fellow has tried to live his life according to a greater, higher ideal. Then a time will come when he will pick you up and put you on a different track altogether. That is the time spiritual liberation and spiritual journey begins. So we see in Shurabindu's life how, you know, he was living life by the highest ideals. And you read his writings in Bande Matram, you cannot imagine. He is talking constantly about Tyaga and renunciation for the country. It is a national ego. But he speaks about that. Then a time comes when Sri Krishna takes him and says, no, I have a greater work. <laughs> you are the right person. But live life through the sattvic ego. Take the challenge of life. Don't uh, succumb to it. 
ego, lack of ego doesn't mean that I'll allow myself to be run over by the ignorance of the world. That is tamasic ego, which is worse. So, becoming non-egoistic means I will be driven now only by the divine will. Before I know it, by dharma. Even if the world opposes me. That is what is called a non-egoistic life. Non-egoistic life is not whatever others want me to do, I'll do because I'm not supposed to have an ego. Somebody will kick me like a football, I'll be kicked. Why? Because I'm not supposed to ego. We have an ego. That is martyrdom and it brings no merit, spiritual or otherwise. Okay? Don't do that. Live a life of truth, of beauty in every action, thought, feelings. Try to cultivate it. And if you are sincere, you will gradually see that you will grow into that kind of life. Okay, so that's about the ego. Okay, so of course I know uh, neither of us would want to leave, but uh, <laughs> maybe we'll meet some other time. Okay? And uh, all my love and prayers and blessings for all of you. And have a beautiful life ahead. Okay? A life that is lived by greater ideals, nobler ideals. And not just a life which is meant for amassing money. To all of you, I would only suggest one writing of Sri at this juncture which you should read. The Burjua and the Samurai. Okay. If any of you wants, mail me, I'll send you that whole piece. It's part of Sri Collected Works, Volume 6, Draft 7, which is part of the Bande Matram writings. The Burjua and the Samurai. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Alubhaiya. Thank you, Alubhaiya. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, all of you. <laughs> okay. Have bye a bye. safe journey. Bye. Bye. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>